Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth and concepts for improving organizational culture. This is your host, Philip Grison. As you increase your wisdom, I hope you enlighten others on your path towards greatness. If you want to go further, head over to leaderthink.com. Hey, everybody. Blaming accidents, incidents, near misses, or the organization's cultural problems on worker behavior is a sign of weakness. How easy is it to say they should have? Try it out. Say it to yourself. They should have. They should have been paying more attention. They should have followed the rules. They should have seen that one coming. Do you feel tired? Exhausted? Nope. It really is a sign of weakness. Think about it. People don't feel tired when they say those things. It doesn't require deep understanding. It doesn't require a tremendous time commitment. It doesn't require recognizing your own internal bias. You don't have to put yourself in the shoes of others. It's easy and it's weak. But how hard is it to find out why someone's behavior did make sense to them and then take that information and do something about it? Now that is a sign of great strength and humility. First, there's the time commitment. How much time does it take to truly engage a worker and understand why their decisions made sense to them? Not right now in the middle of an incident, but for every single day over the past six months where they were doing the same thing and nobody got hurt. To understand how the decisions didn't just make sense, but how they became normalized over a long period of time, That takes a tremendous amount of time. It's a lot easier to look at an incident as a singular event that took place one day and blame it on misbehavior than it is to look at the incident as one link in a chain of events that started years ago and became normalized over a long period of time. Then we have to deal with our own internal bias and judgment. A hard truth to accept is that all of us are biased, and we all judge the actions of others. It's normal for us to do that. It's just the way our limbic brains are hardwired. The first step to understanding why the behavior made sense is to admit that all of us walk in the door with a big sack of bias and prejudice because we have the luxury of knowing the outcome. Whenever we begin to analyze an incident, we already know what they didn't do or should have done. We know what happened. They didn't know what was going to happen or they surely wouldn't have done it. How many people do you know that truly have that deep level of self-awareness to combat their own pre-existing bias and judgment? People that have the strength of recognizing it when it veers its ugly head. People that not only recognize it, but have learned to forgive themselves when it occurs and put it to the side so they can truly learn instead of judge. One time I was researching bias and found that one of the greatest forms of bias is the bias that people think they are less biased than the majority of other people. 
Let me say that again. One of the greatest forms of bias is the belief that people don't think they are biased. That is a thought process that we have to accept, deal with, and fight against. And it's not for the weak. It's for the strong who are willing to own up to it. Then there's the issue of saving face. When organizations have an incident, everybody knows about it. Most of the time when an incident occurs with one of my clients, I hear about it from somebody else before I ever hear the story from the actual client. In the general contractor world, all the subcontractors see it happen, and they all start telling the story, sending texts to everyone, a lot of times with gory pictures attached, all while the GC is still preparing an official statement. So many times I've been emailed a picture of an incident from a subcontractor who wasn't even involved. They were just there as a witness to it. And they were spreading the story of what happened before the GC was even ready to talk about it. It's understandable, though. Legal is involved. We put rules and safety programs that tell us not to say anything until we have formed an official statement that satisfies the lawyers and upper management. But in the meantime, everybody else is already talking about it. And then the news media starts telling their version of the story. Next thing you know, the story or several different versions of the story, are being spread all around the public. And now everybody knows about the incident, and they are already voicing their opinions about what happened. The story is now out there in the open. It may be flawed. It may lack a serious amount of pertinent information. But regardless, the story is now being told to the world, and it goes like this. XYZ contractor experienced a major screw-up. This triggers a need to save face. A need to save face with the clients that hire us so we can keep getting work and pay the bills. We have to keep the doors open, right? A need to save face with all the subcontractors and vendors and partners and OSHA. This creates a tremendous amount of pressure on organizations to tell the world that the problem was a lone worker behavior. But rest assured, all our workplace systems are a well-oiled machine. The problem isn't us, the organization. The problem is a lone worker who didn't do what they should have done. When we target systems instead of worker behavior, we have to own up to the fact that our systems influence the behavior. And we have to do this while the world is already coming up with their own version of the story. And everybody is judging us at the same time. That takes a tremendous amount of humility. How many organizations are really going to stand up to the world and say, you know what? We now realize our systems have serious flaws that contributed to this event, and we take full responsibility for the circumstances we placed our people in. Saying something like that to the world is not for the weak. And then we have to deliver all of this to the shiny shoes, right? 
Now, as the safety department, we have to go stand in front of upper management and tell them it wasn't the worker. In fact, the worker was just a normal person doing normal work in our everyday work environment. It wasn't them. It was us. Our systems failed at multiple levels, starting with top management, through middle management, all the way down to the front line. It was our system that failed, not the worker. It was us, not them. How many safety professionals feel a tremendous amount of fear to stand in front of management, tell them our entire organization needs to look in the mirror and learn how we failed the worker by putting them in a position designed to fail? And now we have to do the hard work of fixing these systems, starting at the top, investing the time and money to truly understand where our systems failed, and then go tell the workforce that it was us. It wasn't them. We're sorry we failed, and here's what we are going to do about it. We are going to ask you, the workforce, to tell us how we as management are screwing up. This can be a really tough one for safety professionals. They rely on being in management's good favor. It's how they buy their groceries and pay for the roof over their heads. In my leadership work, I often hear people say, all this leadership stuff is right on the money. But if I went to corporate and told them these things, they would kick me out the front door. A tremendous amount of fear exists within telling upper management it was the system, not the worker that failed. Defensiveness, denial, resistance, anger, blame, all emotions that are guaranteed to come up in a conversation like that. And you know how it goes. Most often, people shoot the messenger. Again, a critical component of embracing human operating philosophy that is not for the weak. If we can actually make it this far, then we have to do the hard work of fixing the system. Step one of actually fixing the system is to place yourself in the worker's shoes and learn why their behavior made sense to them at the time. And the 6,000 times they did the same thing over the past several years, but no one was hurt or caught in the act. When we move from judger mode to learner mode, we are going to have to deal with a lot of emotion from the workforce itself. We have to go learn from them before we can ever understand what the work looks like from their view. They're going to tell us, we've been trying to tell you all this for years, but no one would listen. We've been saying over and over again, if y'all would just come out here and spend one day with us, you would understand. But no one would listen. And now our brother is dead or in the hospital. So when we go learn from the front line and put ourselves in their shoes, they aren't going to be super happy about it. Not now, after a major event. They're going to be mad about it. Mad about the years of trying to bring it to light and no one would listen. A major portion of conducting event learning is being the emotional punching bag of the workforce. 
you have to take it to the face. You have to let them dish out all the frustrations they have on you before you can even get to the work of learning from the event. On top of all that, you are not allowed to get defensive or make excuses at all. But you are free to say, you are right and we were wrong. We've failed you, we are so sorry, and we are ready for you to teach us our lesson. Again, not for the weak. This job requires strength and humility. So next time you hear someone say they should have, remind yourself it is not a sign of strength. It's a sign of weakness and nothing to be proud of. Strength is doing the hard work of learning why the behavior was normal. It was a normal behavior initiated by a normal worker doing normal everyday work. It's the system that should be judged not the person. But forgive yourself when you judge the behavior of others. This sounds like a contradiction, right? Forgive yourself because judging behavior is normal too. It's just the way our limbic brains are hardwired, combined with an endless supply of energy to judge. Our prefrontal cortex that has the ability to see the bigger picture is quickly overloaded. It quickly runs out of steam. And when it does, the judgmental limbic brain assumes control again. So we must give ourselves the time and the forgiveness to engage our prefrontal when we can. But at the same time, we must accept that it won't always be in control. Enlightenment comes from recognizing the judgment when it creeps in and then having the strength to let it pass and move toward learning. You can view those fleeting thoughts of judging behavior as a piece of trash flying in the wind. They come, they go, but they are not the deeper part of who you are. They are just pieces of trash blowing by in the wind. Let them pass and move on. The more you practice letting judgment pass, the less attached to it you become, the less you identify with it. The awareness that you develop increases your ability to learn, to understand why these behaviors of our workforce just make sense to them. Then we can truly change the system to change what really makes sense to the workers. Get good at getting egg on your face. The normal reaction when someone is dumping all their emotions on you is to get defensive. But that is the limbic brain. When management gets all emotional about the hard truth message that you deliver, you don't have to react in the same way. You can go to your prefrontal and sympathize with them instead. From there, you can feel for them. Instead of resisting the emotions, they are surely going to throw your way. Same with the workforce and event learning. Notice yourself when you feel the urge to make excuses about the system that contributed to the incident. And don't do it. It's not going to help the matter. 
They don't want to hear excuses about why the system is the way it is. They want to hear that you are going to learn from them and change it with their input considered. Tell them that. Tell them you are not here to make excuses or defend corporate policies. You are here for two reasons. First, to say you are sorry, and second, to learn from them. That attitude will diffuse their emotions. Making excuses will amplify them. So next time you hear, they should have. Remind yourself, it is a sign of weakness. To judge behavior is easy, it's cheap, it only takes a second, and it's weak. To learn why behavior makes sense to normal people doing normal work in normal flawed systems is hard work and a sign of great strength. Have a great, enlightened day. If you learned something valuable today, please share it with others. For more information, head over to leaderthink.com.